better. Coffee is starting to take its place. I'm, I'm shaking ta- from drinking so much Mountain Ops. I'm going to pre-workout shits here in about 15, <laughs> 20 minutes tops. Pre-workout, tobacco, nicotine. We are ready to do this podcast. All right. Week four in the books. Welcome back, everybody, to the Blood Money Podcast. Got the same old guests. We have Dylan here, who is Jay's client. Long-time listener, first-time caller. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Dylan and Jay are going to tell their story, and then Jay wants to enjoy a Sunday off, and Dylan has to head back home after his epic week here in Montana. Yeah, very good week. Back from our mule deer adventure. Um, we're up in the bear den. So the place they went is, is a spot where they drop problem bears and things like that. So they seen a bear with an ear tag in. Oh, that's a, a tip is buy a bear tag. There's a lot of bears out here. Yeah. If you're not sure, I, I would buy one. Yeah. Um, he was a cool bear, all black, had a red earpiece in. Mm-hmm. So trouble. Yeah, he's trouble. Yeah, trouble bear for sure. Um, well, trouble's just lucky I didn't buy a tag because he was well within range. Yeah, and we could have killed him very easily. They killed their bull. So we'll go in. And I want to hear it from your point of view first. We start our, start our hike off, and I've been hearing about how rough the country is, and we're kind of just following this trail, and I thought, this ain't bad at all. And we get to a couple glassing points and immediately have a bull that is just ripping off bugles. And you can kind of hear him across the canyon, like chasing cows back and forth and Jay, he glasses and spots. I don't know if you said it was a couple cows. Yeah, a couple cows running through, getting getting pushed yeah. by a bull. And so I'm trying to find them. And it really surprised me once I finally spotted an elk how little she was in my binoculars because it was so far across this canyon. <laughs> and immediately, like, you feel a fire light. And he's talking about we're going to get to the top of this mountain we're going to run around the top and get up above them and wait for the thermals to switch and so we just continue up the trail till the trail basically ended with all this downfall and he's like all right so we're going to cut the side of this hill and gain elevation and when we get up on top then we'll be able to fly Um, yeah the the elk kind of seemed to be pushing over towards the saddle so we got around yeah Heard him bugle, and it sounds like he was coming up to our left, which our wind happened to be just cruising that yeah, way. So we, left. yeah, we hustled up, ran back around, and kind of got our wind right and did a did a calling setup. And you heard him come in. Yeah, he's. Uh, I could hear him glunking, and I don't know if it was just limbs popping him back and forth, or if he started raking a tree. But you could really hear like limbs snapping, and I thought, man, he is just right below me. I heard a cow very close to us. Told you to kind of get down there, you know, as quietly as you can. And I just started running back up the hill, cow con, cow con, cow con. He immediately bugled back. I think I I cut him off. He did it again. I cut him off. And he let out a very gnarly (laughs) challenge bugle. And was, I mean, he he was running. He 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 ran in. He was running. And then he let out another bugle just probably 70 yards then as you're uh, raking the tree up yes, there. Yes, so I started kind of going up and around the hill and then back down to the left to try to draw him across in front of Dylan. And he challenged Beagled, and I, I tripped and made a ton of noise, and I just went with it. I was thrashing around, 
grabbing sticks, breaking them off, rolling on my back and bugling. And I mean, what he kind of turned and then yeah. went into yeah. how, how many yards? I would have guessed about 25 yards. He was kind of behind two down trees. So I went ahead and got drawed back and he stepped out and just, when I released my arrow, we stepped it, it was like 10 or 12 yards. I watched my arrow completely just blow through him. I knew it was clean pass through, but I was not happy I was back. I got another arrow knocked and got drawed back on him again. It, it buried up to the fletching. Yeah, it did. Just tried to watch him the best I could, go around the point and just out of sight, just really trying to get a really good idea where he ended up running off. The celebration was on at that point, but I was like, yeah. man, we gotta make sure, yeah. We gotta make sure. Okay, I came back down the hill, I, you yeah. know, gave you the what and gave me the thumbs up and yeah. started trailing a little bit and really didn't get very far. Saw some blood with very small bubbles. Didn't know if it was maybe diaphragm or just the, you know, yeah. frothing off his hair. Thought it might have been liver. Yeah. Decided We decided to back out for the night and get, get some help coming in to look. Came back in in the morning and... As we were walking on the trail, Jay was in the front. Alex was behind him, and I had I had my head down. I was, I was just starting to look for blood or tracks, just in case. I look up and I see the pool laid there, but it just surprised me so much because, like, we have just now really got to where we're going to start looking. Jay and Alex, they hadn't seen him yet. And I was like, uh, what's that right there? <laughs> <laughs> Alex said, that would be your bull. That would just, be your bull, and that I mean that was your first successful elk hunt right you you hunted elk before in colorado hunted before uh and i can tell you from then to now we didn't walk enough then that didn't cover enough ground but i don't know that i could ever ask for another a better elk hunt just with the action like like he said we didn't have an hour that they didn't bugle the bull we were talking to wanted to die that day and he he came in he he really acted like he was just the king of that canyon and I mean, not a big bull by no means, but just such an epic hunt. Like, he was coming to whoop somebody. Yup. He didn't know that somebody was hiding <laughs> behind a tree with a with a bow and arrow. Yeah, in the pack out, you know, that's, a, that's another experience. You kind of, you get there and you start quartering him up and you kind of been hearing some of the jokes of bear this week and then you get there and they've legit got somebody kind of on bear guard. and. <laughs> Bear attack Ben. That's it, bear attack Ben. He had he had all the pistols while we were quartering up that elk, and we did it pretty quick. About yeah. forty five minutes, we were out of there. Pack out was very eventful. We uh, climbed over some big boulders and such. Was back at the truck at ten thirty, and yep. Alex just left everybody and met us at the truck with half an elk on his back. Just did he tell you when I hit the trail, I'm leaving? It's usually what he does. <laughs> no, he pretended he was going to stick around and wait on us. You just watch my headlamp just fade off into the dark. These guys are extremely hard to keep up with. So I was pumped, actually, whenever I heard that they had killed a bull in there. That was the very beginning of the week. So that's a touchy subject right there, buddy. That's okay. You worked through it. So it's very hard. I am struggling to go from a guide to an outfitter. I have all these hunting spots that I've acquired from other guides I found myself, they've been top secret. Being a hunting dude, you're very secretive about your spots because it doesn't take much of anything to get them ruined forever, 
forever. You think you tell one person, that one person tells one person, and then it's just a chain reaction, and before you know it, your spot is junk, it's garbage, never gonna kill anything again. So I have a spot that I've worked pretty hard to acquire all the spots to shoot from and rifle, where all the wall is. I mean, everybody knows that you just do a lot of, lot of footwork to figure out places. Now, we always say that we are working as a team and a unit, and that's what and separates us change. apart, <laughs> and we're going to all hunt together. I got pissed and butthurt about a spot of mine that it isn't, wasn't my spot, but Ben didn't know, and he tells Jay, our new guide, about this great and <laughs> glorious place that we get into elk in every time we go, and I like keep it. I only hunt it maybe once a week, once every two weeks. Don't ever bump it hard. And it always produces a good day of hunting. And uh, now it's ruined. It's not ruined. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Ben shares track marks, right? Oh, yeah. This is at supper, and I'm here. Sunday night at this. supper. Walker's giving me the look. He's like, I was scared. On, no, I like, was scared. This is going on over here. They're talking about this spot. He's like, <laughs> There's a wallow in the back right here. Is where I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> We tell everyone nobody has their own secret little spots because we're but, all working as a team. But all the everybody kind of gets their own yeah. little spots yes. that they, and then it's like a mutual respect. But the two new guys didn't know none of this. They, <laughs> I don't think anyone meant anything <laughs> no. by it. No, so, honestly, it was very harmless. They, Jay is just needing to get on some elk. He had had a terrible time, but I was fortunate. I took Ben to my hot spot and it didn't <laughs> so, do anything so he thinks don't worry. junk so we're all right <laughs> don't worry ben will be he's probably selling your onyx spots too 100 bucks away point it's like you're cut off i got irritated butt hurt like a little baby made it very awkward and jay goes in there and his client shoots an elk shoots an elk and my main concern is dudes go in and hunt spots and they blow it out I kept my mouth shut i didn't really say anything i told ben i was upset very he could definitely feel my frustration but Jay didn't really know. I just made it awkward for him, like some kind of weirdo. But they ended up killing a bull to make things better. And the little easing, I sent him a bunch of waypoints of the spot. And uh, Walker went in there the day after that and uh, got into some elk. So it was a good learning curve for me. Um, there's no glory in for one person in this. If uh, if I try to take all the glory or one person tries to take all the glory, we're not hunting as a unit. And we have to give them spots to go to because certain clients can do certain hunts. Yeah, certain clients can't. So true. talking it all out, sharing different areas. We don't <laughs> blow any areas out too bad anymore. I mean, I can go to places that Walker and Alex have both been hunting and I can hear elk in both of those spots that you guys have been pounding. And that's what's nice. If you send someone to a spot and it's like, crickets in that yeah. place the next day you're like all right i know everybody out there has a horror story of a hunting spot being burnt you go your whole life not telling anybody where you're hunting like keeping it a secret and then now it's like i don't think i've ever had a spot taken back home i've never really hunted with anybody except for my dad he always told me because people try to get us to take them turkey hunting he's like oh yeah you you tell them if they find a bird you'll call them for them you don't take them to your spot and i've lived by that for everything how many spots have ever been ruined for you alex a ton of them the worst part is it's usually by your good buddies <laughs> buddies that don't have the capabilities that i do 
and they just take advantage of me over it. And it's like, wow, I was trying to help you feed your family for this winter, but now I'm not even going to do that because it's not worth wasting my time and burning my spot. So what would be the, what would be the appropriate protocol for hunting someone's spot? Like, would it only be if they called you and asked you to go with them? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's somewhere you take them or you tell them, hey, if you want to kill a bull, here's a waypoint, go here. But you don't do that. So, Ben, tell your part about the spot stealing. How much do you get for that? <laughs> I could just how, how much money did you sell that wallet for? Did you feel bad at all? Afterward, duh. Good. Good. You should have been morally just wrecked. Jay won't even know until he listens to this no, podcast. He I doesn't kinda... even know that. He just thought he got good intel from a good spot. Not that it was like Josh's unspoken spot that you don't go in. I could see Ben get awkward every time I say something about it. Now it's fun. Luck hasn't been on our side, so we've been trying everything. Change our karma. Yeah. I picked up two balloons yesterday. Did you find a shed with those? No sheds. You find a blue balloon, you find sheds usually. No sheds. I wasn't looking, and I wouldn't have packed a shed if it would have been 150 inches on one side. That's all right. You send me a waypoint, I'll go get it. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to need counseling if I don't kill that big bull in my secret spot this week because I'm going to be on suicide watch. That's all right. Yeah, we're all turning into, like, whitetail hunters. We're naming these bulls. Yeah, we got (laughs) Buttermilk (laughs) Express named Kong. Ridge Reaper. Wheelie. Yeah, it's <laughs> pathetic. I mean, the bulls are winning big time. We are, the mountain's yeah. kicking to our butt. You can't cheat the mountain pilgrim. That's right. Walker, you can go ahead and tell your story of the hunting week. I tried to kill the bull that I've been trying to kill since the first week, and it didn't happen. Snuck around me once again. I've only heard him bugle one time. only ever got him to bugle once. Got into a screaming match with the bull and had him at 50 yards, but it was too thick way too thick <clears throat> and then that was it run up on the mountain we could see him we we're gonna camp on this bull yes i packed 15 pounds of water and then uh we got about halfway seen a grouse and he draws his bow back and then there's this pop and the string the drop rest string broke in half exactly so you're how far in before the guy's bow breaks i think we were like five and then miles yeah, four maybe. Four or five, something like that. We sat down, ate lunch, and started hiking out. And then, of course, the bull starts bugling. <laughs> we, but we have another guy. He, his bow's fine. But that didn't work out. Yeah, so two-on-ones in archery, honey. We were just talking how we like to hunt a two-on-one in archery hunting because of the setups. are so much easier. You can, uh, instead of having one guy that is the the main shooter that you're trying to call the elk through you can take the second guy and throw him in your downwind wash and uh, cover your backside yeah it just makes it nice a single guy is hard because the caller always gets the elk to come in the back yeah and the guy that they're trying to shoot doesn't always get to see (laughs) him so two of them work great in that setup if you have two guys too and you have a bull that's screaming he's pinpointed you can call it the triangle of death you can set them both up so you've got twice the lanes down there to pull him through all right so i had my cousin levi which i got to do a little hunting this week um for myself which was nice it has probably been close to eight or nine years since i killed an animal period with my bow and arrow and i was lucky enough 
to kill a bear. We make it about a mile and a half from camp. We're just hiking down the trail and all of a sudden there's a black bear. The elk hunt turns into a bear hunt. I come around the corner of the trail and I just saw the bear and click my release on and I yell range and matter of seconds behind me, 56 yards, 54 yards. And as the bear's coming, it just keeps counting down. Finally, the bear works to about 45 yards. That was the last range that I got. Um, the bear turned to go into the woods and uh, got his attention and let one fly. Felt awesome. Um, shot through the bear, hit two ribs on each side, stuck in the ground a foot on the other side. We waited about a half an hour, 40 minutes, which is like pulling teeth to my cousin. He's wanting the elk hunt, and there I am. <laughs> we're looking for a bear that he knows that we're going to have to pack off the mountain along with all of our camp gear. So we wait. We find the bear. Um, no blood, as usual, on bears. It was shot good, but just a couple specks. We start working the bear up, and uh, we threw it on our backpacks and hiked eight and a half miles hunting with the bear and our <laughs> camp gear. Dumb idea. Stupid. Um, Ended up getting into a bull. As we're hiking off the mountain, the bull bugles back up the mountain, probably five, six hundred yards back up. And we broke the golden rule, dropped their backpacks. I couldn't carry my backpack back up that mountain. So we dropped our packs and went back to chasing an elk that was we really didn't put a lot of enthusiasm into. I mean, <laughs> for real, everybody was dying, and they knew that it was going to make it even a longer day. So... We kind of made about five excuses why we weren't going to get that bull called in. He wasn't talking very good, and we just left. And that was about the extent of the elk hunting for me all week. It's different <laughs> when you know you got to guide the rest of the season to you. It's like, I would love to kill this bull, but at the yeah. same time, I need a play for next week. So it was more yeah. of a scouting week for me than anything. Yeah. Just burn yourself out being in the woods. It sounds crazy. You're like, burn yourselves out. I would do anything to get to hunt every day. You go through a bunch of trouble to get into a spot, and you're like, man, it's got to pay off. Nope. The elk do not care how much energy you exert. They don't care how much time you've put into it. They don't care about your feelings. They only care all. about living. <laughs> <Right>. Living. <laughs> Breathing air. Which is ridiculous that we spend all this money and do everything, and they just don't come die. Yeah, exactly. It's unbelievable that these elk don't cooperate. <laughs> it's un it's just I think totally. they would just be suicidal. So we can talk about that a little bit because people are starting to think about next year's hunts and I've been getting an increase in calls. We have a forum on our webpage of questions to ask outfitters whenever you're thinking about booking a hunt, kind of the questions you want to pick their brain with. So what's your first one? As far as, oh, oh my, <laughs> oh my God. It seeped out, it seeped out. Do not edit that. Do not edit that out. Alex's bionic butthole is talking. <laughs> it has something to say about... All right, good talking to you guys. I need to go take a shower now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. My eyes are water. So, all right, next. What would you tell guys to ask outfitters before booking? What a day hunt looks like for them, because I know a lot of people, they hunt the morning, they don't hunt the middle of the day, and then they hunt the afternoon, which is, I think, the... Backwards. Yeah, it's you should hunt the middle of the day more than anything because four legs out walk too. Yep. At our outfit, the guides are out from 5 a.m. until Dark 9 to 10 p.m. I would say even later in the earlier archery season. Yeah. 
so we hunt all day but there are um there are guys out there that are booking hunts that are surprised when they go to a restaurant for lunch or they quit in the middle of the day or they're back pretty early in the evening so we do not run hours like that but if that is the type of hunt that you are looking for that's a good question to ask an outfitter um just what a typical day looks like and a typical week looks like um our hunts run six days so you are hunting from monday through saturday and arriving and leaving on sundays Um, some guys are five-day hunts so that's also something to take into consideration before putting a down payment onto a hunt ben what is the question you would ask an outfitter if you were booking a hunt are we gonna kill elk (laughs) let me guess what's your percentage what's your kill percentage that's my favorite (laughs) So an outfitter at a show gave me a tip on the kill percentage and the honest opportunity percentage. And he told me that if people ask you what your percentage is, you take into consideration every tag that they have for each animal and every opportunity they have for each animal that entire season and then come up with the percentage. So he was adding in turkeys and grouse and bears and deer whitetail mule deer and elk and then taking the percentage of all of those animals and that's how he got about an 80 percent honest opportunity rating he technically wasn't lying and he thought that that was a good tip to give us grouse hunting has been 100 percent yes and (laughs) spring bear was 100 percent so consistently we're at about 50%, give or take a couple percentages. I think that this year is a little bit higher as of right now for archery. Think, I'm gonna put oh, the statistics out there. I think the our, everybody just about had a, uh, opportunity every week under 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I take as an honest opportunity is 30 yards or less in archery season with a decent shooting lane. That outfitter had thought he gave us a hot tip on that, but I just chalked it up as total lies and I was not gonna do that. I don't see how you can put a percentage on elk. It's the most unpredictable hunt. I'm just gonna be blunt. If you're basing the success of your hunt off of killing animals, you're not gonna have fun. It's like the Christmas spirit. When you quit believing (laughs) in Santa Claus, Christmas is not as fun. Yeah. If you quit believing in the hunting atmosphere the camaraderie the whole deal of hunting and you're only worried about killing the animal they it's not going to be very fun you're looking for a lot of miserable hunting trips i always nerd out on their social medias and read all the reviews and then i i'll get real fbi agent like i'll start looking into their past clients accounts but if you check anything on social media everyone says don't come to northwest montana the wolves killed everything and there's there's no elk left to hunt. I see it every single day. So you guys are saying there's elk out there? There is elk out there. Confirmed. I think there's two or three, but the, nope. but the wolves Just, probably got them all, I think. Yeah, yeah. They're all yeah. gone. Eight up, gone. <laughs> gone. So unless you book a hunt with us. There. Unless you book a hunt with us, the elk are all gone out of here. They've ate them all. Yep. No need to DIY out here. Every client that I've had that said they wanted to do a DIY, they're like, wow, I definitely see why you want a guided hunt out here. Yeah. Like, there's so much I don't know that I'd have never had any success. Yeah, and we always tell our theories 
And uh, it's very land specific. Like our theories might not work in New Mexico. Our theories will not work in open ground in Colorado. They work specific for this heavily timbered, nasty, thick area. That's the best thing you can do is take different theories from different people and add it to your arsenal and try it and see what works for yep. you. Yeah. Because um, even every mountain is different. Like the elk where I'm hunting might be a little bit different than where you're hunting. Yeah. What is the question you would ask outfitters before you book a hunt? Mm, well, I don't know, actually. I would, I actually don't know what I would ask them. What kind of calls do you use? <laughs> do you guys use Phelps? <laughs> do, you use, do you use power bugles? I've heard those are pretty good. Yeah, we're hard yeah. on the power bugles here. <laughs> and who's hard on them? We're terrible. Hard on them. There's some dude out there that's probably an elk killing machine, and he's staring at his power bugle right now and be like, "I'll out hunt those dudes any day." <laughs> he probably will too. You know, it's it's highly possible. My biggest thing, if I was gonna ask an outfits question, I don't even want to talk to him because dudes are great at BSing. I want to talk to a guide. Yeah, I, wa I just want a picture. I want a picture of all their guides. If I show up and I can hunt harder than the guides, I'm going to be very dissatisfied. Yeah. Very, very, very. I want the young guy in the flat bill sick of hat. That's who I want to go exactly. with. That's right. Um, Alex, what's one thing that a guide should be doing on a hunt? Looking out the window of his truck wherever he's driving for tracks coming down trails and stuff like that. That was a good one. If you have a guide and he's not looking in every mud puddle and every place where an animal leaves a track, he's not a very good guide because that is number one thing that you should be checking out. You, yeah. Walker, what's something a guide should be doing What's at all one times? thing that you do that sets you apart as a guide? Calling bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Walker is the best at calling bulls. I saw that coming. <laughs> I don't know. Just think of it, if you showed up in an outfit and they paired you up with a guide, what is one thing you would be like, yes, I'm happy they paired me with that guy, or, oh. bugle tube, not a power bugle. <laughs> we hate them things, don't we? We're just so negative today. Ah, uh, shoot. Obviously, watching the wind, that would be the first thing. So, okay, that's a great one. So, Levi, my cousin, he was, just got back from Africa. And he told me that his one guide was literally an idiot. The guy would tell him, oh, you gotta watch the wind, you gotta watch this and that. And he would tell Levi all the right things. But wouldn't do it. But wouldn't do it. And they kept blowing out everything because of the wind. And, they're, and he's telling, oh, we gotta work the wind, we gotta work the wind. And Levi had a wind checker. And he checks the wind and the wind's totally wrong the whole entire time <laughs> with this guy's telling him. So they actually, they, kind of talked a little bit and they got the good guide back and then they went to killing some animals he told me that those african bush dudes are like honestly savvy as all get out on tracking animals and they know elephant trails where every elephant trail goes throughout mm -hmm. the whole woods he said that's what their whole like learning landscape they don't learn water and drainages like we do they learn elephant trails gotcha. that's wild that is cool that is cool that's super cool I think the first thing I'd look at on my guide is what's his bino harness look like, because that tells you pretty much how how hard a guy hunts is yeah. when his bino harness. Or his boots. Up. I just got a new one, so don't target me on that. New boot goofing. Yeah, I got new boots and a new bino harness. I wore the tread off the bottom of them. Yeah. For me, if I am the client and we come across fresh bull pee, and my guide isn't 
rubbing it all over them, then I don't, I don't want them. Clients always ask me, uh, I go to beds uh, where elk have bedded in little spots and they see me kicking the dirt around. And I kick the dirt around and then I move on. And I get to another bed and I kick the dirt around and I move on. And finally they're like, what in the heck are you doing? So what happens is the ground will dry out and the top layer of dirt will lose all its moisture. If you kick the ground around in them beds, you'll uncover some moist dirt and that's the pee down there. And you can grab a whole handful of that and you can tell whether you're dealing with a bull that's rutting, a bull that's just there, or cows. I mean, you can tell a difference instantly when you smell it. And it smells so dang good. <laughs> battle, man. You gotta get ready for that battle. But my thing is, is I touch all that and then I'm smelling elk the rest of the day, yeah, which is kind of nice. I mean, I get, I'm pumped up. I'm like, I smell bull. <laughs> Here it's, look at your you fingers. Just, you just yeah. took a dip of snuff and you had bull pee on it from the, <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. Sometimes you give yourself some fake scenarios to keep your positivity up. Mental game. I'll tell you another thing I like to look at when I'm like looking at other outfits and seeing what kind of savviness they might have i like to look at their pictures where they're working up animals on the ground yeah see, you, how, they, see how they do it yep it, you cannot hide how much knowledge you have about dead animals until you get out your knife and you start working an animal up on the ground when dudes are like fumble effing around everywhere and they don't know where to start they don't know what to cut they're just mm -hmm. they keep going through their stuff i mean when a guy gets to a kill site and he just goes to work on it and every step is prepped out because he's did it a hundred times, you know that those guys kill a lot of animals. You cannot hide that. Yeah. Cannot hide it. Sam was, when I was working that bull up, was like, you've seen a few dead bulls, haven't you? <laughs> yep. That's my favorite part is when clients and when they recognize that you've been around a lot of dead animals when you're working it up on the ground. That's, that's one part mm -hmm. of your mountain craft that you have it's just you can't learn it by yeah not anything taught. else it is you can't study it on facebook you can't social youtube you can youtube all you want about how to work an elk up on the ground but once it's actually laying there and it's in an awkward mm -hmm. position and you start going through scenarios that well, last time whenever one was in a stump hole like this we did this this that that's that's how you guys know when there's got their craft together when we were working up Keith's cow or me and you hadn't really hunted together much and a quarter would come off and it was like already in a bag before it was even separated. Yeah. You're like, you've run a few game bags, yeah, haven't you? I mean, that's, that's, I knew instantly that you've been around a lot of dead animals. <laughs> yeah. My cousin Levi and I have skunned a lot of bears together. It was like moetry or poetry in motion. The only moetry. thing, <laughs> moetry, we were moetry in them down. <laughs> but the only thing I was struggling with, I was a little out of practice. Bears cutting their, uh, joints off at the paws and that. Um, I struggled on the first one. I didn't look like I knew what I was doing, but the rest of the three, I got them good. So before we close out, is there any other red flags that clients should be looking for when choosing an outfitter or a guide? You want a guide that's not just going through the motions of an elk hunt. Yeah. Any guide that doesn't care that they didn't get on animals or didn't get their client an animal, that, they're, not, they're not a guide. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I get sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. About Thursday, I started getting sick. Like, man. Everybody starts getting grumpy. You can tell when mm -hmm. guys aren't getting on animals. I mean. It's elk hunting at the end of the day. Yeah. It, that's what my dad, I always, my dad and I, we text back and forth on inReach and stuff all day. And he constantly, he's like, just slow down. 
calm down. You're not hunting in a fence. You can't promise the world and give it every time. It's just yeah. not physically possible. If you're trying your hardest and you're working to the start to the end of the day, you can't do any more than what you are. It's just you yeah. can't make it happen with elk and deer hunting. No. But we can be honest in booking completely transparent in what to expect and what not to expect one of the main reasons we started this podcast was to help people out there looking for hunts to ask the correct questions and to kind of scope out a good outfitter versus a bad outfitter to pick up on different lies that they tell <laughs> see through the <laughs> and bullshit the, yeah to see through all of it and we're not in any way trying to make ourselves look the best out there because we have a lot to learn ourselves but we also want to help people that are interested in hunting all the states to pick up on what outfitters can do different or how they answer questions so that um, you're just not wasting your money yeah we like to do this as an occupation um and it's very hard to do it if people aren't booking hunts and it may be self-centered just towards us but we don't want it to feel like it's all one-sided so we try to look outside the box and figure out what clients want and uh, try to give them their money's worth <laughs> all right all right so week four <laughs> is in the books so we did a lot of rambling about stupidness this week uh see you next week bye Thank you.